You are listening to Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition Podcast, Episode 021. Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more, and give more. Now, here is your host, Kelly Botter. Hello, Kelly Botter here. Welcome to God the MBA podcast. Create a podcast is relatively simple nowadays, but to utilize the content effectively isn't. Please notice that I didn't say it's easy. I said it's simple. Because to create and launch a great quality podcast takes a lot of work. Therefore, there is a most frequent asked question. It is that this. What can we do after we created this valuable content and make it work harder for us as business owners? Today, I have a solution for you. Our guest, Colin Gray. He is a podcaster, a writer, and a PhD in education. He specializes in engaging through content with podcasting at its core and how you can get a shitload of content out into the world without killing yourself. His company, The Podcast Host, helps business to grow an audience by combining podcasting, blogging, and video to cultivate fanatical fans. I have met Colin in person a couple of times. He's a very down-to-earth, a nice person, and expert of this manner. Recently, he has rocked a couple of stages as speaker, such as New Media Europe in UK, Pro Blogger in Australia. Now, let's check with Colin. Hi, Colin. So happy that you're with us. Or should I say, Dr. Gray? Or worldwide speakers. <laughs> Please tell us a little bit about who are you and where you're from and how you became an entrepreneur. I'm Colin. I'm from Scotland, as you can probably tell from the accent. Currently residing in Dundee, but uh, started out in Edinburgh, really in Scotland. That's where I ended up. I suppose most of my background took place. My background is education, actually. So I was a teacher for about five or six years in universities. I taught lecturers how to get better at teaching using the internet. So how to use technology essentially to help their students. And that's kind of how I ended up in podcasting actually, because it was one of the fashionable ways at the time to help your students how to learn. So I had to learn how to podcast so I could teach lecturers how to podcast as well. So I ended up writing a blog, starting up the blog, thepodcasthost.com and writing on there about everything I was learning. And along the way, actually, alongside that, I was, I've always been a bit of a geek in terms of web technologies and e-commerce and creating websites and helping people out with that. So I was always a bit of a freelance web designer doing that kind of stuff and helping people with online businesses. But yeah, about two years ago now, that was when I transitioned into what I'm doing now. That was when I left education. I was about halfway through my PhD at the time. So I ended up doing the latter part of my doctorate alongside starting up uh, or growing the podcast host as a business. 
and um, graduate from that last year, started the podcast host full-time, and now that's what I do. <laughs> so I run the podcast host, help people start up their own podcasts. Uh, so it was a bit of a, a random journey through education, through uh, sort of helping people to, to do that into running it as a business and commercially as well. Well, that kind of explained that why Colin's content is so good and so easy to understand because he was a teacher all right we're going to talk a little bit more about that later i also want to say that colin totally underplay his credential okay i mean you guys heard what i say in the introduction and you guys knew that you know he just recently rocked couple stages. Colin and I share some common things in life and such as, you know, we both are parents and doers. In fact, he is the one really pushing me over the age to go up to the next level when you come to the execution part. <laughs> Can you share with us, you know, what is your biggest challenge and joy as a father and entrepreneur and how on the earth you are so productive? Yeah, it all relates together quite well, doesn't it? Well, not well, in a, in a bad way sometimes with the, the challenges. My big weakness, I've always known my big weakness is a complete and utter lack of focus. I struggle really hard to keep focused on one thing at a time. Um, my concentration is not great. I can't tend to, I get bored easy, essentially, and I have to really fight against that. And it's kind of weird because, for example, this morning, no, sorry, yesterday morning, I was writing a blog post and I got entirely lost in it. And I did it for about four hours, just completely in the zone, in the flow of writing. So I can manage that. I can manage that for four hours at a time. But other times I struggle to concentrate on someone for five minutes at a time. So I've found loads of techniques and strategies over the years and how to plan out what I need to do next, how to schedule it in, tools that help me make sure that I'm doing those things at the right time, the right place and uh, basically stay on track. And it relates, I think, quite well to being a father as well because <laughs> my my kids are completely, uh, you know, same as any kids, completely hyperactive, always going off on random little quests, little questions, all that kind of stuff. And something I'm working on right now is how to, how to really sort of focus on them when they're doing that stuff and be with them when they're doing that stuff. And it's the whole, you know, the whole mindfulness stuff trying to stay present with them um because i always end up thinking about because i get bored easily especially <laughs> when, you know when you're playing with a two-year-old it's great fun for the first 20 minutes but you know it can get a little bit repetitive uh, so i end up checking my phone or you know end up doing something thinking about someone that's going on at work so i'm working really hard on how to focus on similar with at work being able to focus on one thing concentrate with my children as well focus on being with them when i'm with them and it's hard i find it i find it difficult sometimes but it's good. It pays off when I manage it. So yeah, I'm, wor I'm working hard on that. See how I can get better. You know, Colin, just enjoy when your children is two, two years old, because mine is 14 and 17. <laughs> it's total <laughs> different level of conversation. <laughs> Imagine that uh, it doesn't get any easier. The difficulties just change. That's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a different type, just different types of challenge. Yes. We know that you're such a, a podcast expert and you provide fantastic value for podcasters all the time. So let's share about why podcast. So why a small business or a business, a personal brand, anything like that should be podcasting. Just, I mean, it, there's a bunch of reasons. I'll try and go through it as quick as I can. I can I get, I've done talks for an hour at a time on this, so I'll try and keep it brief. <laughs> but... <laughs> The, I mean, the big thing with podcasting is that 
Well, it starts with media. So, you know, you go beyond just written material. You go beyond the standard stuff that's out there. You go to a blog, the website, whatever, and you add in personality. So that can be video or audio. So as soon as you start getting some personality out there, that's what starts to build trust. And that's one of the biggest difficulties that we have as small businesses these days. It's how to stand out, how to differentiate yourself. And once you've been seen, how to help those people trust you. So the way I always talk about it is that as soon as you introduce media, as soon as you introduce yourself, your voice, um, you know, your body language, that kind of stuff, in video or audio, that's what starts to allow people to get to know you. So they suddenly get a bit more of your personality, a bit more of your values. You know, you're speaking honestly. You generally are a bit more yourself in voice than you are when you're writing. So that's great. Video or audio brings a whole lot of benefits on their own. But I think podcasting for me is a level above video, even in terms of engagement, because while video allows you to get yourself out there just as much as audio does, audio suddenly brings in attention. So it brings a huge amount of attention because with the other mediums, with reading, with video, you have to make time to do it. People have to sit down, they have to look at a screen, they have to look at a, a magazine, a book or whatever it is that they're concentrating on and have to spend time on that. And because of that, the attention you get is pretty limited so you, you've all everyone's heard the stats that you know you're lucky if you get a three or four minute view on youtube you're lucky if you can get somebody to skim through your blog post in a few minutes but on the other hand with podcasting you know people can do it in the car they can listen while they're walking to work they can listen while they're mowing the lawn cooking their dinner things like that and because of that the attention really skyrockets people will listen for half an hour an hour even up to some of the best shows out there get people listening for three hours at a time so with a podcast, you get this massive attention. Somebody's with you for an hour, two hours at a time. You get the engagement potential through your personality, your voice, and they multiply to just create massive amounts of trust. And the time that they spend with you as well, that's what turns them into fanatical fans. So if you're running a small business, you want to create a group of people, an audience that trust you, that want to buy from you, that want to promote the stuff you do to others, then podcast, because that's what creates that trusting, loyal group of customers that follows you forever. Yeah, we all say that today, now, you know, nowadays, that we are not really um, compete with, with our peers and people in the same industry, but oftentimes, actually, what we are competing is those cute baby videos or the, the dog and cats Dancing videos. cats and things, yeah. Right, <laughs> attention, right? By the way, you know, Colin have fantastic free e-course about podcasting and make sure you go to today's show notes. Then you can, you know, we can put all the links there. And Colin, I also like to talk about that the concept you mentioned in your recent blog post uh, about break it down when it comes to content marketing. Can you give us like three to five things? How can we get started? I think it, it came from the idea. It came from the, the, the fact that most people that I work with, uh, you know, our podcasting clients, our general content marketing clients, and even, you know, my contacts in, in this whole marketing world, people like yourself and everyone in the communities that we are a part of, quite often one of the big aims that people have is to get really massive content out there. You know, there's the concept of the pillar post, the authority post, the authority bit of content you want to put out there. And the first thing people do when they think about creating something like that is they just fire everything in there. You know, they think of a concept, a big concept, 
big idea that they want to teach and they just put as much as possible in there. They think that the key is to just cram it full of everything they can think of. But I, because I come from an educational background, I suppose I, I think of it a little bit differently and it seems to work really well for me. It has worked really well for other people. And that is actually to start thinking the opposite way and that's breaking it down. So you get your big idea, whatever you want to teach. So say it's uh, beginners podcasting for me. So I want to teach people how to podcast. There's a lot of articles out there, a lot of podcasts out there that talk about how to start a podcast and it has everything. So it has hosting, equipment, style, formats, all that kind of stuff. It's got everything in there. I take the opposite view. I think that, and, and I know this from, you know, scientific research around education, how people learn, how people consume things, that the best thing to do is to break it right down into its core concepts. So how to start a podcast break it down into, you know, the smallest possible pieces that you can and then talk about those bits in depth. And that's what helps people learn. So maybe I would start with, you know, what podcast format do you think would suit you? Uh, who's your target audience? What's going to be your ideal listener? What's the best microphone that you can use? And there's all these little things in there that you can break down. And it's just, it's getting away from the whole idea that people think that they have to put everything in there and to be valuable, to be liked, to create pillar content, create authority content, you need to have so much in there. I think the opposite. I think cut it down, simple as possible. Uh, you can still write a fair bit. I mean, I wrote a thousand words, I think, yesterday on something I thought was a very small little bit, a little concept, um, and it just kept going. But I covered it in detail and it was definitely, you know, it couldn't have been broken down anymore. So if you want to be a teacher, if you want to be an authority, you want to help people learn something, break it right down to the smallest possible part and then teach that first. So it's almost like that reminded me that sometimes as a content creator, you know, we, we procrastinated, you know, we say, yeah, oh, I'm going to get into that, you know, later because I need to create such a big piece of content. And, you know, you also mentioned about framework. Sure. So how does the framework, you know, help us to overcome the you know, procrastination? Yeah, okay. So I've talked about a few different types of frameworks. So there's a framework for individual pieces of content, like how to make them effective. But then I also have a bit of a framework for tying together a range of different content to create a lot. Someone I was writing about yesterday actually was around the whole concept of how to create effective content. So say you've come up with your big idea, you break that down into all of the little concepts that make it up. That's going to be your series, say. I, and I always podcast in series. I write blog posts in series because it's just more effective in a whole lot of ways. It makes it better for you because it, the planning's easier because you're breaking something down. You're, you know you're new what you're writing next week, the week after that. You're not having to come up with new concepts every single week. Plus, you can repurpose it into all sorts can, of Can we things. give them a, a real-life example? Well, the, the beginner's podcasting course, that's probably the simplest one from my point of view, because I, so I wanted to do that how to podcast series. I wanted to say, because uh, everybody, everybody that teaches podcasting has to have a how to start a podcast resource, but I didn't want to do this huge big thing. I wanted to create a series of podcasts. My first season of PodCraft is how to start a podcast. It's how to get your first episode recorded. So I broke that down into, I think the first one was what is a podcast to start with? The second one was something around uh, what are you podcasting about? How to find your focus? Then we were on to equipment, then recording environment. So I had an episode per topic. So once you've got that full series, I've got 10 episodes that cover that full thing. The reason that that's so effective is that it let me plan it all out. It let me do it 
record it in batches so I could save time. I could be more productive by recording, say, three episodes at a time or five episodes at a time. It let me take a break after that. So it means that you can like take two or three weeks as a break after you've created that resource. I've got this evergreen resource. I've got this evergreen thing that is just a really valuable um, piece of content to point people towards. It's really chunky. It's more than just one blog post or one podcast episode. And finally, you can repurpose it into so much more. So I've used that as an, an audiobook. I've transcribed it and turned it, into, uh, turned it into an ebook. I have turned it into an email course as well. The email course you mentioned earlier on, that stems from that series of podcasts. So from that one set of podcast episodes, I've created a whole range of other content because I created it as a season and because that season format lends itself to massive amounts of repurposing. So you can use it everywhere, give people value. And yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons. I mean, even for your listeners, it helps them to learn because you're building up every single week. You're building on what you learned last week to go to the next week. It drags them through in terms of hooks them in because they've got a cliffhanger at the end of each episode. So it draws them into the next one. And that works for any topic. So if you're writing a blog post, if you can manage to turn it into a blog post series, I should say, if you can manage to turn it into that series format, it can really addict people and really make them come back and back and back, turning them into loyal readers. So that actually is a very good strategy as well. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it was, worked really well for us. It's, it's not just the repurposing, but it's, yeah, it's turning people into loyal listeners, loyal, loyal readers as well. Right. Actually, I literally, when I went to your uh, blog post and then I bookmarked it, and I put in a calendar, told myself, model after this. <laughs> that's how good Colin's uh, uh, content is. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Let's also talk about that. I love what you wrote recently because that's kind of preach all the time. Let's talk about why podcast only uh -huh. isn't enough for a business owner. Because a lot of people have this kind of the idea, wow, when you have a podcast, it's fancy. Or when you have one YouTube channel, it's very fancy. Yeah. And, but what I don't realize, that, that actually we need more. So like I said earlier, I think podcasting is the pinnacle of engagement. And podcasting is where you turn people into huge fans, into really, really fanatical, loyal fans. Because of that attention, because of that engagement, you know, they listen to you for so long, that's what turns them into it. But the problem is that the audience for podcasting is still quite small. The search capability of podcasting is still quite small. People have to be on iTunes. It's not the easiest thing in the world to find a podcast. It's not where people go to find an answer to a question straight away. They still go, first and foremost, to Google. They still type in text into Google. So the first thing is podcasting has to go along with text. You have to create show notes, really effective show notes that are essentially a blog post. So every single podcast episode I put out, I write a blog post that goes along with it. That blog post is really a summary of what was in the podcast. It's something around the same topic. It gives the same ideas. Uh, it has, you know, all the standard search tactics that you would put in a piece of text. So like a good title that draws people in, keywords in there. You're thinking about how you want to be found for that topic that you're talking about. And the benefit of that is that people will, you know, that's the, that's the wide end of the funnel. More people will find that blog post by far than will find the podcast. But what you want to do is try and get them from the blog post onto the podcast. So they'll read the blog post, but you'll say at the end of it, if you want a summary of this in audio, in fact, if you want the full story, because I'm going to give you more in the podcast, then go and listen to the podcast. So you're guiding them from that wide part of the funnel, which is the text, towards the podcast because that's you going up a step of engagement 
They got to know you through reading, but you want to get them to really get to know you, to really get to like you by listening to the podcast. So it's, it's about capturing people in with the more widely searched media, like text and video works for this as well. Video's got a big search presence right now as well. Mm. So if you can capture people via video, via text, but then guide them towards the podcast, then you've got the wide funnel that captures them and then the podcast that turns them into fanatical fans. And that's how I think they work together. Actually, we want them to subscribe, right? Become on your email list. Absolutely. So yes. then you can be, uh, you know, have a chance to communicate further. And I think I really love that we surely want to put your uh, that blog post in the show notes because I love that you have a graphic talk about, which is kind of I often mention to my audience and clients, you know, uh, similar like a buyer journey, right? Uh, yeah. You talk about different stages of where they are aware or they are considering or the moment, you know, we're converting them to a, to a buyer and build up that loyalty. And then eventually they even start to, you know, promote it for you. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that awareness bit, that's where the text and the video comes in, because that's where people can just stumble across you, I guess. Um, because it's such so many more people are using that and then, then it's your job to talk them into listening to the podcast because <laughs> yeah. that's what turns the because that's what quite often gets them to convert and then it builds that loyalty and then the advocacy that you know promotes it to everything else now Colin I'm sure you are so perfect right that you probably never have a funny thing happen to you or during this uh, entrepreneurial journey or <laughs> no of course I'm teasing so <laughs> Can you share like a one fun stories in your journey with us? Yeah, sure. Um, the, the thing that usually pops to mind with this is a whole set of coincidences that start with someone that wasn't that funny at the time, but I can laugh about it now, which is uh, I'm a cyclist. So that's kind of what I spend my time doing outside of work. I love getting on a bike, particularly mountain biking. And people always uh, look at me with a, a raised eyebrow about the mountain biking because it's quite, uh, they think of it as quite a dangerous sport. I've actually <laughs> never really hurt myself on a mountain bike. That's what I but, told my husband. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the trees don't jump out in front of you, but people in cars do. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what happened to me one day. I was, um, it was when I was still at university. So I was cycling from one campus of the university to another campus. And uh, a car um, just got a bit closer. It was partly my fault, partly their fault. Nobody, not believing anybody, but I basically crashed. Crashed the bike, came off the road, and I broke my leg. So I broke my femur. So obviously a pretty big injury. But the thing is that I can attribute a lot of what I've done now, a lot of my current life to that happening because I ended up sitting on the couch for literally about six months. It takes about a year for your femur to, to heal properly. You can't really walk properly for about six months. It's ridiculously long and I spent a whole lot of time in that time I was off my proper work so I spent a whole lot of time just being bored but entertaining myself by writing blog posts and you know figuring out <laughs> little things that I do and I started a few little websites just out of interest experimenting with things and that was when I applied for my PhD as well actually so by the time I was healing up I ended up having um, started a couple of little businesses alongside the podcasting I had got the PhD so I left my job Moved to Dundee because of this, ended up uh, being able to spend a whole lot more time on the podcast host. Um, the other experiments were useful, but, you know, I concentrated. I managed to get my focus onto the podcast host. In Dundee, I ended up meeting a whole bunch of people that I've now got such great relationships with in terms of business support, mentoring. There's a whole range like, you know, you know, Chris Marr, who runs the Content Marketing Academy. It was the moving to Dundee was what uh, got me in contact with him and why 
I'm now part of his community and, you know, have all the benefits that comes with that. So, uh, and then it led to getting an enterprise fellowship, which supports me for, I'm still on at the moment, which is a ton of support around how to build a business, how to build a, not just a business, but a big business, like to accelerate it, to grow it, to get funding, investment, all that kind of stuff. And that all led, I really, really think from breaking my leg and sitting on that couch for three months and basically figuring all this stuff out. So a horrible thing at the time, but it just, you know, completely turned around and there was so many good things came out of it um, that completely shaped my life right now. So uh, yeah, (laughs) possibly not a funny story exactly, but I always find it funny thinking about everything that came from that. Yeah. Okay, Chris Moore, sponsor fee, by the way, we mentioned about you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And okay, so just disclaimer, we are not encouraging you to break a leg in order to build a profitable business. Be something smaller if you have Yeah, yeah, just break something else, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Colin, so these questions I ask each single one of my guests, that what is your one godly MBA moment? The MBA start, you know, stays for marketing beyond ambition, meaning the moment that you realize your business is just, you know, is way beyond just a business. Yeah. I think the, 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 the moment that always stands out for me is when I suddenly realized, just having done a review of my income for the past couple of months, that my passive income had suddenly got to a stage where it was actually surpassing what I have earned in proper jobs in the past and all the work that I had done, you know, writing content. Um, my So my passive income mainly comes from affiliate deals, sponsorship, advertising, that type of stuff. So it's based on the content that I've built up over the last five or six years through the podcast host particularly, but some other little websites as well. And so if I left for two months and went on holiday, that wouldn't have a huge effect. I mean, (laughs) passive income is always a funny term, isn't it? Because if I didn't do anything on my websites, it would drop off over time. But it gives you that flexibility that you can work on other things as long as you keep maintaining it. So it just, when I realized that, it made me think about my aim in business five, ten years ago, which was to be able to have the flexibility to do whatever I want, whenever I want it. And that's based a lot around my family. So being able to just you know, take a Friday off because uh, it snowed and we want to go up skiing and to, to Glen Shee or it's during the summer and it's sunny and we want to go cycling or, you know, just being able to do that and know that I'm still making an income. I'm still supporting my family, going holiday and that's still happening. That was that was a pretty special moment for me when I realized that that had actually happened and it kind of snuck up on me because it's one of those things, I think it happens for a lot of people that passive income seems so hard to come by takes two three years and you're like this is not working it's not working and then suddenly over two or three months something just starts working and that's what happened for me i was i went along for ages earning sort of you know 100 200 pounds a month off affiliate sponsorship that type of stuff and then suddenly it jumped into the thousands and over three or four months and that was that was when i suddenly had a business that was when it actually happened and that's what gave me the chance to spend a lot more time growing the other products that i do like the courses and the services and starting to think about software like we are right now as well. It's having that that safety net, I guess, which I feel really lucky about. And all of that is based around, yeah, freedom. It's freedom. It's freedom to do what I want when I want, um, especially related to my family. So it's the moment that pops into my head whenever people ask me that. Thank you so much for sharing. It is. I mean, that, that alone, you know, I think it's really encouraged us that, you know, don't give up 
you know, as I say, it's a funny term, passive income. It's, yeah. I think we need to build from active income uh-huh. and then gradually, you know, transit to passive income. And when, when the more passive income you build up, actually give you more time to create other streams of other active income, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, it's an investment in the future. That's that's the whole thing you talk about this, you know, when it became more than just a business. That's what it's it's about for me. It's you're building an asset for the future. Like I feel like I've I've spent two or three, four years writing, creating these resources, and it's built an asset that now pays me back that I don't have to do anything or not much work to maintain it. So it's just that's great. So Colin, last question is I'm curious personally. Sure. So among speaking, among podcasting among create e-courses, right? And among service for podcasters. Sure. Which one you enjoy the most? Do you know, I, I've come to love the speaking, actually. It's, not, it's probably not the one that I love the most, but I say that first because it's the one that surprises me the most because I was always a very, um, well, put it this way, if, if you went back to my 13-year-old self and had a look at uh, me at that age, you wouldn't have got to know me a little bit. You wouldn't think for a second that that person would go on to actually stand on a stage and speak to 100 people, even 500 people at a time. It wasn't me. It still isn't me. It still, it still surprises me because I'm not, um, I'm definitely an introvert by nature. I don't, it still terrifies me every time, but I still, every single time I get a rush out of getting up on a stage and sharing what I know and just getting the reaction that I do, like getting that feedback. So I do love speaking. But I couldn't do I couldn't do it as a job. I don't think. I think I it terrifies me too much to do it a lot. <laughs> Maybe that would go away a little bit if I did it that often. But I I mean the part that I really love is teaching. So it's creating courses. I love creating courses. I love creating resources, writing blogs, doing anything that creates this thing that's going to be there forever. Well, as long as the electricity still runs, eh? But as, as long, long as internet, internet existing, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. As long as the internet is still around, the blog posts that I've written will still be there. The, the podcasts that I've created will still be there. It's creating that content. And I feel really lucky that I've got to the stage where my content actually makes money so I can justify writing posts and creating videos and creating podcasts. So because I just enjoy it so much, it's great fun, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the content creation probably the most and the speaking as a surprise. Okay, I, I found that interesting that in our circle of friends that I figure uh, myself included that uh, if you ask our audience, they probably wouldn't guess we are introverts and they did yeah. not know that, um, you know, the kind of inner process that we've gone through before we stand there to share. And I found myself, it's just you mentioned about the rush, it's the moment when I shift the focus of standing there is for them rather than for myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah how I, the, how, how I look like, sound like, or, yeah. you know. So yeah. that moment then it's, it's worth for a try, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's worth the effort for sure. Thank you so much, Colin, for what a impactful and actionable episode. I just cannot uh, say thank you enough. No worries. It's always been a pleasure to uh, be on and thank you for inviting me. And uh, always good to catch up with you anyway, Kelly. I'm sure I'll see you at another, uh, another meetup sometime soon. Yeah, we need to catch our coffee. Soon. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> Get up to Scotland sometime soon. That's the, uh, that's the key. And come and uh, meet the rest of the TCMA community up here. <laughs> Chris Mar, that's the second sponsor fee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you, Colin. <laughs> Cheers, Kelly. 
I trust you have enjoyed this episode as much as I did. For all the information and the free e-course with Colin we mentioned during the show, please visit kellybother.com forward slash 021. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time, and we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. Did you enjoy the show? If yes, please share, subscribe, and give us your honest review on iTunes so my team and I can continuously produce valuable content for you. Don't forget for all the goodies we mentioned during the show, and my free gift to you is at kellybother.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.